Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. I can barely believe it. It is already week 14. We are marching towards a Monday night football battle with the Tennessee Titans. But before we get to Monday, there are a couple days of the week that we got to get through first. Being Thursday morning. Joshua Houts, Merrick Brave are joining me today. Gentlemen, happy Wednesday afternoon. Happy winning streak. Happy victory Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Thursday. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Whenever you're listening to listening to this podcast, Dolphins fans, we are happy you are joining us and spending your time with us. It's been cool to see a couple people tag us in that uh, Spotify rap stuff that, yeah. that they've been putting up there. So if if we're part of your, your Spotify wrapped, let us know on, on Twitter or X or whatever you call it. Uh, and we're very appreciative of, of you guys uh, spending so much time with us this year. But happy to be here with you, Jake and Josh. And let's talk some Dolphins football. Yeah, and if you if we weren't part of your Spotify wrapped, you may as well subscribe and like and do all that fun stuff, right? Because we should be part of that because we are um, we're a premier Dolphins podcast, right? So um, it's nice to be on here and talk Dolphins football with you guys, especially when we're 9-3 and three and the playoffs are in our crosshairs. But before all that, let's talk 14 weeks, that is a lot of snaps. That is a lot of plays. It's a lot of touchdowns for the Miami Dolphins. And Merrick came up with an absolutely awesome idea of 
you don't get through the season with 22 players. You don't get through the season with 44. You need a lot of guys to come in and have an impact. So we are going to go through some of Miami's greatest depth pieces so far this season. Merrick, what was your inspiration? Well, I just kept thinking about how this Dolphins team has overcome a lot of adversity this year. You know, there's been a lot of key players injured throughout the season. I mean, we started the season off with Jalen Ramsey hurt. He was the big acquisition this offseason. He was supposed to turn this defense around, defense around, which he did. It just took a little bit longer to do so because of that injury. But also just thought back to the offseason. And, you know, without naming any names here, there was a, a few people on, on Dolphins Twitter talking about how this team, this 2023 version of our team, lacked depth. That, that there were not there was not a lot of depth behind these these star players these key players that we had and some people agreed with that notion while others took umbrage and I think I was one of the one of the guys who took umbrage with with that notion that this team lacked depth because looking at the roster on paper it looked like one of the the deepest rosters that this Dolphins team has had in my lifetime and so far through what 13 games through 12 games excuse me 13 uh, weeks. That has proven to be true. This Miami Dolphins team uh, has had to play a whole lot of different players, like you said, Jake. And I just figured, you know, midweek, let's highlight some of these guys. Let's give these guys their flowers and uh, and talk about them here on this podcast. Josh, do you buy that? Should we scrap this show? Should we just dump it here? Is that sound fair? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish... I, I wish I could remember back to when we did the pods because I think we were all kind of down on at least the offensive line depth. We were talking about bringing in a defensive lineman for the last eight months or whatever. So um, <laughs> I think we all I think we all kind of had issues with some of the depth, but um, I know there are a lot more people more vocal than us. And as we can all sit here and say, you know, we all have egg on our face, right? Everybody that doubted Chris Greer and his offensive line talk, you know, I'm more, the fans are more worried about it than I am. Um, you know, he's he proved us right. So we all got egg on our face, but it's a good thing. We just hope this depth doesn't become an issue over these next few weeks because um, that's when, you know, these games are going to matter most. To be fair, Josh, the Dolphins did work out three de- defensive tackles this week. So even they're still looking for more depth pieces. And just a little note with that, Merrick, I do want to start with your player, but um, Ruben Foster, he put on Instagram that uh, he did not get the job with the Miami Dolphins. I think this was actually his second tryout with the team. I think the last time he was playing in the NFL was two, three years ago. It was always a nice dream, but it, it's a shame it didn't work out. I mean, he's having great success in other leagues, so hopefully he can keep that up. It's kind of a bummer, but um, Miami will keep flipping over stones, look for that uh, linebacker depth elsewhere, or um, we'll all die with Channing Tindall leading the way. So we'll see what happens there in the playoffs. But Merrick? How about you get us started here? All right. So maybe I went chalk here. Maybe I went with the most obvious answer, but I don't care because this player has been a phenomenal player for the Miami Dolphins this season. Pressed into duty early, pressed into duty as of late, and looks to be like he'll uh, be on the field for the remainder of the season with Jalen Phillips out. I'm talking about edge rusher, sometimes inside linebacker, Andrew Van Ginkle. Andrew Van Ginkle. AVG, baby. The Ooh. Gink. The Gink. I thought his Hugh name was Wang. Hugh. Yeah. Hugh Wang. Hugh. It is Hugh. Everyone, everyone's pronouncing it huge. That's a that's a, a, a silent so, G, I believe. M- me mispronouncing? Is that anything new? That's just the brand at this point. <laughs> huge Wang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about Mr. Wang here. I want to talk about Andrew Van Ginkle. Andrew Van Ginkle is having himself... A fantastic season for the Miami Dolphins. Like I said, pressed into action early. Jalen Phillips was suffering from a, a couple injuries earlier in the season. Andrew Van Ginkle, Van Ginkle came in and he played 
with his hair on fire, his his luscious golden locks on fire. Andrew Van Ginkle right now, would you believe it, is the sixth highest rated edge player on Pro Football Focus. He is tied with Aiden Hutchinson for the highest grade or the sixth highest grade of all edge rushers. He has a 90.7 overall grade. That is only behind Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, and TJ Watt. He has a 75.3 run defense grade, a 90.1 pass rush grade, and an 86.3 coverage grade, which is actually the third highest grade on PFF uh, in terms of coverage for all edge rushers. He's played 492 snaps this year. That's actually already through just 13 games, the second most in his career. In 2021, he played 801 snaps. He has 34 solo tackles, which ranks sixth among all edge players. He has 10 assisted tackles, 20 QB hurries, four sacks. Actually, PFF has him with five sacks, but every other website says four sacks. So I went with the four sack number. I think, I think uh, it might be from uh, the Washington game there. He had that the second drive there. He had like a nasty spin move where he hugged Sam Howell. And then I think it was Sealer and Chubb finished it up. Dude, he could not, he would not go down. It. Sorry to cut you off. Sam Howell would not go down in that game. How was that not a sack? How was that not a sack though? I don't understand football anymore. Yeah, well, PFF gave him a sack for that play, but all the other websites did not give him a sack. So he either has four or five sacks, but because this is another Dolphins podcast, we're going to give him that extra sack there. AVG has five sacks, baby. Eight QB hits, one fumble recovery, and of course the pick six, the interception return for a touchdown against those commanders. AVG is my depth player of the season so far. He is my my reserve player. He has been just a a top player on this Miami Dolphins defense. So thankful that Vic Fangio picked up the telephone, gave him a call this offseason, stopped him from signing with the New England Patriots and said, get your butt back down to Miami so that you can play in my defense because I got big plans for you. And he wasn't lying. He wasn't joking. And, uh, you know, we, we we all saw he got a little feature on, on Hard Knocks last night and so did his wife. And and she was really excited about that cake that he was getting for that that pick six return. Probably more excited than uh, all the money he's about to earn in free agency this offseason. Hopefully coming back to our Miami Dolphins because he is on that one-year contract. Hate to see him go somewhere else because right now he's just a man on fire. He He's killing it in the aqua and orange for our Miami Dolphins. ABG, my reserve player of the year so far. I think you had to go with AVG, though, right? I mean, the way he's playing right now, you mentioned hair on fire. We just all saw Hard Knocks. We'll talk about that on another episode. But, um, dude, he's just playing out of his mind, and it makes you wonder. If Vic Fangio didn't call up, pick up the phone and call him, I mean, we'd be relying on what? Emmanuel Agba, who, you know, he's solid, right? But AVG's just, I mean, you named him, dude. Playing on an entirely different level. He can rush the passer. He's great in coverage. Um, I just hate to see him leave because how are they going to – be able to pay him with everybody else, right? I mean, Jalen Phillips is eventually going to need a new deal. And we name every time we're on this pod the, the plethora, dozens of players the Dolphins need to pay. So his heart's in Miami. I hope he can stick around because he goes out there and busts his ass. And, um, you know, he's already exceeded expectations in the NFL, right? So it's a player that you just love to root for, a player that we've all watched grow. And uh, it's hard not to count him as, you know, that big depth piece that, you know, is going to push us to where we want to go as we reach January. Four sacks, five run stuffs, one forced fumble. Merrick, what, what's that jumped off your eyes the most when you go start going through? Because one sticks out to me, and I haven't even heard you say it yet. How about them apples? Oh, well, interesting. So I'm going to not even look at my notes if I haven't said it yet, because I said everything I had typed out there, baby. Uh, I just uh, uh, I just 
for me, it's not even a stat that, that jumps off the stat sheet. For me, it's just how much effort he plays with on every play, just, just his motor. He never stops. He, 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 he never takes a playoff. He never gives in. He just goes out there with a hundred percent effort every single down. And that's just a player that if you had a whole roster full of guys like that, you'd be a, a Super Bowl champion every year. Super smart. Super like the pick six. I mean, it wasn't his freakish speed. It wasn't the beautiful blonde hair that, that led him to having the pick six. It was the brains. I mean, the things yeah. he does for this team is so unique and he's knocked down six passes this year. Sorry if you did say that. Oh, wow. I, so what I see out of someone like Andrew Van Ginkle, and I mean, this is why I think Vic Fangio loves him so much. I mean, in the nickel package, he can be your uh, linebacker sitting there with Jerome Baker, who is week to week with his knee injury, hopefully back sooner rather than later. But then you can also line him up on the edge where you can instantly get together this ESPN top 10 looking uh, highlight reel of these different spin moves and moves he's making different tackles look silly so i mean there's just such a special level of versatility that comes with someone like andrew van ginkle that i don't really think it's been impacted too much with jalen phillips being out of the lineup and i think that might be the biggest surprise of all yeah i mean it's 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 been a seamless transition and, and he got those games earlier in the year you know starting with that patriots game where, where he got to really showcase his skills and you know and that's no knock on jalen phillips in fact that's actually just more of a uh, of another reason to give AVG his flowers. If he can play up to the level of a first round pick in Jalen Phillips and, and he can fill his shoes to where you don't even notice Phillips absence that much, that's fantastic. That's phenomenal uh, for him. And that's phenomenal for us as Dolphins fans, because we get to watch him play and we get to watch him contribute to victories, which the Dolphins have a lot of already uh, a number one team in the AFC. How about it? Very opportunistic player. Uh Looking at this linebacker group and looking at what Andrew Van Ginkle does, I mean, it just goes to show that earlier in the season, and I mean, one of the biggest things in hard knocks was Mike McDaniel having the self-awareness of this team was eight and three before last year in this situation, and they lost five straight games. I think we've seen this group go through so much. I mean, with all the injuries, and I think, I mean, it's not all injuries, but just the ability to go through, start in Philly, start in these different situations. I mean, I instantly go to the offensive line for that, but I mean, this team has gone through so much fire so far that I just think it's so interesting that you can plug these guys in so quickly and they hit the ground running just as quick. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing, and I know I already said it, I don't want to gloss over it. Just listen to the names he's grouped with at the top of those PFF rankings, right? Nick Bosa, Mike Parsons, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, TJ Watt, and he's tied with Aiden Hutchinson. This is Andrew Van Ginkle. This is not a first-round selection. I believe he was a fifth-round selection out of Wisconsin, and that was after he played essentially community college ball at Western Iowa. I live in Iowa. Western Iowa, that's not a thing. I've never heard of that. I don't know what their mascot is. I don't know where that is. That's in the western part of the state, I would assume, given given the 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 you know directional nature of the name, but that's wild. And he is up there with, I believe all those guys are first round picks, right? Bosa, Parsons, Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, TJ Watt, and Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. Those are all first round edge selections. And he is a fifth round player who's a reserve player called into duty because of injuries. And he's ranked up there with those guys. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, it's crazy. And didn't he play quarterback too there in uh, Iowa? 
wasn't he a quarterback and they transitioned? So, I mean, probably this is a guy the that, best yeah. quarterback in yeah. Iowa college football history, honestly. There's not a lot to choose from. <laughs> It's just crazy, though, how you pretty much took Jalen Phillips' name out of that list of all those uh, elite pass rushers that you mentioned, just kind of plucked Andrew Van Ginkle in there, almost like what the Dolphins did, and you really don't see a drop-off. I remember early in the season, we were sitting here talking about who would we miss more if they can't go, and I think Jalen Phillips was one of them, and we were like, we got Andrew Van Ginkle, we're good, and it's just crazy that he can literally just come in and you know fill that role. Like Jake said on the last pod, 91 um, plus 43 equals 15. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Joshua, you probably got the most exciting player out of all of us here. Um, who, who are you stoked up about? Yeah, and I picked Devon H. And Jake, you kind of gave, um, you know, hat tip. You were here, Josh, take him because of what he meant to this team, right? The 184th overall pick in this year's draft. He's only 22 years old, which I still am baffled by. In six total games this season, including only four touches in the Raiders and Patriots games, he has a 534 yards on 53 carries and seven touchdowns. 13 catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. His nine touchdowns are only two short of Ron Davenport and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, total touchdowns as a rookie. He's two away from them at rushing touchdowns. This guy is doing unbelievable things. Um, currently, he's third amongst all rookie running backs. Bijan Robinson has 756 yards and Gibbs has 626. But Bijan has done it with 103 more carries and Gibbs has done it with 61 carries. So it just goes to show you how explosive he is and how meaningful every single touch is when he gets the rock. He leads the league in 40-plus yards runs with four. He's one behind Raheem Mostert, Najee Harris, and Jameer Gibbs with 20-plus yarders. And he has 18 forced missed tackles. He's the NFL leader in rushing yards per game despite those six total yards with 89 yards per game. And if you play fantasy, he has more 20-plus fantasy point games than the following. Derrick Henry, Bijan Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Isaiah Pacheco, Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall. We all know he's fast as F, but as we saw in that Commanders game late in the game, he was kind of, uh, you know, he was kind of, Put the game. They put the game on his back, and he carried the workload, running between the tackles. He was making uh, players miss. I mean, he is everything, man. He's, he breaks tackles effectively, and late in games when you can bring in a guy that's five foot nine, right? He's not six foot nine, Jake. When you can bring in a guy that's five foot nine, yes, the Commanders were already weak. Yes, that game was out of touch, but he literally carried that rock late in that game. 
Two touchdowns late in that game. The dude was unbelievable. I know we all were pretty stoked on him. I think I tweeted out he was a souped-up need for speed car. Perfect uh, player to add into Mike McDaniel's offense. But, I mean, what he does is even so much more than that. You're seeing the way they're using him in motions. When you have a backfield with all those guys, Raheem Mostert, you got Devon Achan, you got Jeff Wilson, and then you got those pass catchers. I mean, how, how do you game plan against it? So um, it's not a depth guy quite like Andrew Van Ginkle had to get thrown in there. It's not like those guys Jake's going to talk about who are arguably the most important people on this roster right now. But Devon H. Chan has been an absolute stud, and I just hope he can stay healthy because when he is, he's one of the most, if not the most explosive running back in all of football. I think I did it. You did it. And, and you know, I made a lot of great points there, Josh. Uh, you you bring up the, the fantasy aspect of it. And and I, as an HN owner, am very happy to have him on my team. But I need you guys to talk me out of starting HN this week. Not because I think he's going to have a bad game, but because the two times I started him previously, he got injured both times in the game. So if I start HN this week, he's probably going to to get injured on Monday night against the Titans. And we can't afford that if we're going to make a deep playoff run, possibly a Super Bowl run as a squad here. So what do you guys think? Should I start somebody else? Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. Those two sound like legitimate options, but, but to get to the root of this issue here, I mean, it's a, I'm a very dumb person. So, so can you help <laughs> me out here? So Devon A. Chan, five foot nine, 188 pounds. Mm -hmm. somehow rushed for over a thousand yards in the ACC. And everybody is still under the impression that he's a small dude and he can suffer injuries. And we're seeing that we're seeing that. Yep. He got hurt earlier in the year. He came back against the Raiders, hurt himself again. But how is it that we see this stuff happen? And then he's out there against Washington and he breaks a tackle in the backfield. He stiff arms another guy and makes him eat dirt and then shoulders another dude into the ground before rushing for 16 yards. What, what, which side are we on here? Where are we planting the flag? Because this dude is the injury prone or, or this bowling ball from hell. I don't, I don't know where we land. Well, I, th there might be a correlation between the two, you know, maybe. And the thing about him is, like you said, he is a bowling ball. He's got such great balance that when he absorbs the impact, when he takes the hit, he stays on his feet. Uh, we saw that in with the big reception he had down the right side of the sideline in this last game against the commanders. He caught the ball. He was about to go out of bounds. He balanced on one foot and then turned it upfield for like another 10 or 12 yards. Like that's amazing. Those types of plays though can lead to injuries because you're not avoiding contact. Like Tyreek Hill catches the ball and sometimes takes a couple shuffle steps and then goes out of bounds or just, just kind of curls up into a ball and gets touched down. He does that because he is a small guy. He is a slight guy and he wants to avoid the hits so he doesn't get injured. Now, you can't really do that as a running back, especially on those carries up the middle. But you do wonder if if maybe there's something there about, you know, if he can, if he can, you know, instead of trying to bowl guys over, he can, he can get a little more elusive with things. It's just the nature of the position. And I think you got to take the bad with the good, the bad being the injuries. But when he's not injured, when he's been healthy this year, he has been absolutely electric almost every single time he touches the football. Another two touchdowns this past week against the Commanders. We're just going to have to call him two touchdown A-chan because every time he plays a game, he's getting multiple right touchdowns. Like It's just right <laughs> I, every time he scored a touchdown, he has also scored another touchdown. Am I right? In every game that he has That's scored a touchdown – he hasn't just scored one. It's he's like the old uh, the old chip commercial. Was it Lay's or something? Bet you can't eat just one. Was that Pringles? I'm not sure. You can't eat just one chip though, right? I mean, that's impossible. No, I, I, love I that can't. You, I go to I bed with a bag up, on my lap. 
Yeah, it, I love that he brought up his balance, though, especially on that play, because, I mean, you see it all the time, right? His balance is insane, and I think the thing that stands out most to me, you know, besides him being able to run between, you know, get skinny between the tackles and be kind of a, an inside back as well as that guy that can bounce outside, but he's so fast, but it doesn't look like he's moving that fast, right? I did that cut up, I posted on Twitter, and I, like some of it just looks like he's gliding, you know, just hitting the hole and uh, avoiding contact. I, I don't I don't know. I think he's more that bowling ball, Jake, with the blazing fast speed. He's our Alakazam, um, but you hope that, the injuries don't linger because that's ultimately, you know what, why some of these running backs careers get ended short, right? We're sitting here talking about me in 22. We know he doesn't have that much tread on the tires. We see how awesome he is when he's out there. Um, let's just hope he can get over that, those injury aspect. But to your point, Merrick, you said about starting him, Jake, Jake, uh, he sums it up best, man. Every time HN touches the ball, he could have six or eight touches a game. And you're probably going to have a hundred plus yards. And like you said, two touchdowns. So um, I, I think I'd start him, but you do have some nice viable options there. And I don't want to be the reason you lose this week. And you know, then you'll be real mad at me. <laughs> My bad if I said ACC, I'm at SEC there. He was at Texas A&M. That's de- the second I said it, I was like, nope, that's that's definitely wrong. There was a, the Tyreek Hill's first touchdown. Um, I posted this on Twitter to one up you here, Josh. Um, on Tyreek's touchdown, where you see him on the bottom of the screen break down his guy out of the slot, if you just kind of lift your eyes up and you look at the top, Devon Achan, before Tyreek has even passed his guy, he already has his guy absolutely beat. And I don't want to sound too much like a homer here. I don't want to sound too, too crazy. But, Merrick, you guys are saying, like, you know, he's two touchdown A-chan. Josh saying, hey, he only needs four or five touches to get 150 yards and two touchdowns. Well, guys, in the first half last week, Tyree Kill had five receptions for 150 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down here, but is there any chance that the Miami Dolphins might have just – Tyree Kill was a fifth-round pick. I'm not saying that they found 2.0, but man, like if it quacks like a duck. He was duck, also running back, right? And he yes. acts like a duck. Like this offense, man, I think it can get very, very scary down the stretch half. And we talk about, you know, what he can do running the football, what HN can do running the football. But man, as a receiver, I mean, he came right back in the lineup and got four targets. This is a team that wants, that is begging a running back to get involved. Jeff Wilson was getting four targets. So, I'm not trying to say it. I mean, Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver on the planet. I'm not saying A-chan's that, but the gears in my head are going a little bit about what this offense can be in the second half, and it starts with those guys being an absolute menace for the next four or five weeks. Oh, no. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Jake. I kind of like that. I like that idea. Like Josh said, uh, Tyreek Hill was a running back in college, came into the pros, and and got switched over to to wide receiver. And now, you know, just a a few short years later, he's the best wide receiver on on the planet. Like, Would you just say HN shouldn't be doing the – didn't you say something about runs up the middle? And and what's the one thing Tyreek Hill doesn't do on the football field? What's the one thing? Because he takes handoffs. Yeah, he doesn't get hit. He doesn't like getting hit. He he goes down. But yeah, I, I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. I don't know if maybe he, he's a, a, a full-time wide receiver, if you switch him to that position group, but to see him lining up uh, on the outside, and that allows you to keep both Devon Achan and Raheem Mostert on the field together, so you're not leaving any speed on the sidelines. You got it all on the field. You can have Tyree Kill. You can have Jalen Waddle. You can have Devon Achan. You can have Raheem Mostert all on the field at the exact same time, and you'll have these defensive players just looking around, you know, getting dizzy, trying to figure out where they're supposed to go in coverage. 
because you, you can't guard them all. Somebody's going to be open. Uh, or, you know, like you said, uh, in that uh, on that touchdown that Tyreek had, you can have multiple guys open, and then you get to pick your poison. So uh, I like that. You know, we've been we've been spending this season and all of last season trying to figure out who Miami's version of Debo Samuel is going to be. Well, maybe it's Devon Achan, and not because of his size or his frame or his playing style, but maybe he will be just as effective – catching the ball as he is running the ball and we've seen how effective he can be running the ball so now if you unlock his receiving potential too we could be cooking with gas yeah i mean that's kind of what we want to see right them unlock that potential i think i wrote down 13 to 16 targets i'm in the past game 101 yards two touchdowns i guess that isn't so bad when you factor in he's only what appeared in six games but if you could add that then to you know him being able to run between the tackles him being able to use that speed of the outside then you're adding that passing element i mean i'm you guys are sitting here saying, you know, he might be another Tyreek. Isn't that exactly what they were saying Jalen Waddle might be when he came out? So, what, this offense got three Tyreeks? That's <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> absurd. So, um, I, I, I like it. I, I'm so happy with what the Dolphins got in Devon HN. I know we all wanted that running back for so many years. And, um, again, if he can stay healthy, it sounds like we have our back getting ready to beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's uh, rookie rushing record, which, I mean, we all remember him. And I think the key here is that both of these players, Andrew Van Genkel and Devon Achan, have been absolutely awesome. And for them being in this category, shouldn't be a slight. I mean, both of these guys were brought in to be just depth pieces. And I don't mean it just as just depth pieces, but people are going to get hurt throughout the entire NFL season. And I think when we are sitting there in August saying like, yeah, man, like Ron Armstead is going to play six. Like most offensive linemen aren't going to play. He's he's going to take it a little step further. I mean, he's been in the league so long, so the, the CVS script for him is a little bit longer. But, I mean, so many guys are going to get hurt throughout the season. And just Miami's ability to integrate all these different guys in different ways, whether it be Andrew Van Ginkle begging him to come back with this defensive coordinator he's never played for in a system that he's not used to after seven years of just, you know, engage eight. Josh Boyer, we're just going to blitz everyone. It's just so impressive to see these guys get integrated and be so comfortable in this unit where you can have Devon Achan even come out and last week say, I, I don't feel completely right. And well, he might not have, he could have played maybe, maybe not, maybe have been uncomfortable, but you keep him out he comes back and goes for 150 and two. I mean, you're happy with that result. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if, if, any team is going to have success. They need those key contributors in those depth pieces. And that's what the Dolphins did. That's what Chris Greer did. He set this team up for success, knowing that, hey, some of these guys are going to get hurt. We're going to need some of these reserve players to come in. And they've been doing that beautifully. So we've talked about AVG. We've talked about Devon Achan. Jake, it's time for you to grace us with your choice. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. When Chris Greer was sitting there and he like metaphorically had his feet up on the table saying, well, some guys, some fans on the internet are more worried about the offensive line than I am. Was he really picturing like Liam Eikenberg starting at different positions and the entire offensive line, not giving up a sack. Was he really picturing like Kendall lamb? Will we have him come in? Will we have Keon Smith come in? I don't know. They're both great. We can have them both come in to be no problem. 
oh, we have Austin Jackson, a former first-round pick. Oh, you mean a former first-round pick who's playing like an all-pro? Is that who you're thinking of? I don't know what happened, man. I don't know if we all got men in black, like, flashed here and something happened. But what the Miami Dolphins have done on this offensive line is something I've never seen before. I mean, just in the last four weeks, they've had four different combinations. In three of those four weeks, they have combined for one sack. And, oh, darn, you have three sacks against the Jets, one of the best defenses in the, in the entire league. The fact that the Dolphins, week 13 against Washington, you had Liam Eikenberg starting at left guard. A unit gave up no sacks. Week 11, he was starting at right guard against the Raiders. On the other side of the offensive line, no sacks again. I mean, there's some witchcraft. There's some wizardry. These guys need to be investigated because what Butch Berry and this crew is doing for this offensive line has just been so impressive. And there can be some debates made that this group doesn't have five all pros or five great offensive linemen. Your left tackle is going to miss six games. Well, the Dolphins seem more than prepared for all that. The Dolphins seem to know exactly what they want, when they want it, and how to use it. And I think that's been so impressive seeing someone like Lester Cott come in. I mean, Robert Hunt, or excuse me, Robert Jones started for a game and he was supposed to be their key backup piece and he's been gone out of the lineup. God, I don't know what it's been about this offensive line. I couldn't just pick one player here. It would have been awesome to hype up uh, Lester Cotton. We could less, we can hype up Nancy Pomplosi if we wanted to. But <laughs> overall, this entire offensive line, starter, backup, Isaiah Wynn, it does not matter. Everybody has been a success on this offensive line. And for not only to have one position, but five positions all marching in the same direction for so long, it's just been so impressive to watch. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I don't think any of us expected this offensive line to be playing as well as they are. You know, we we talked about all offseason, if they could just get average offensive line play, not even not even top 15, just top 20 offensive line play, then this team's going to be a lot better. Well, they've turned around and probably given us top 10 offensive line play. How many not sacks do you think they give up a game? And where do you think they rank in sacks per game allowed? I, it has to be low. You have so many games where they're not giving up any sacks at all. So I would say two, somewhere around two sacks per game. And I think that's going to be top 10, like I said. They're actually third, 1.5 wow. sacks allowed per game wow. behind Kansas City and Buffalo. And they're averaging just one allowed over the last three games. I mean, yes, the Dolphins get the ball out super quick. And that has something to do with it. But I mean, the offensive line... The story of the offensive line isn't told by sack numbers. It's told by the offensive line, the offensive success in general, and the fact they're all just walking. Sorry to cut you off, though. I'm just – No, is, absolutely. And yeah, like you said, it's not just the passing game. It's the running game as well. This Dolphins running game was non-existent for how many years in a row? We had Ryan Fitzpatrick leading the team in rushing one year. It's like we – we remember those 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 dog days, and it didn't just last one summer. It felt like those dog days lasted three, four, five, six years, and we're, we're coming out on the other end feeling good because in Butch Berry, we trust. He got these guys playing right, and like you said, I think I read somewhere, and don't quote me, I could be wrong, that this past weekend was the eighth different yep. combination of starting offensive linemen that the Dolphins have had this year in 13 games, and they're still ranked third in in sacks per game given up in least amount of sacks per game that that's that's crazy talk that's crazy talk and and you know what we might see ourselves a different combination on monday night if keon smith is forced to start at left tackle and if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that keon smith was going to start a game at left tackle i would have told you that this season's over that that something went completely wrong and that we're just we're just putting guys in there to see what happens everybody's injured now 
But uh, that's not the case. Keon Smith played really well in his snaps that he got last week when when uh, Tron Armstead went out and Kendall Lamb wasn't available. And and I'm actually kind of excited to see what would happen if Keon Smith starts at left tackle on Monday night. And I think he'll do well. I think you know famous last words, but I think he'll <laughs> fill in admirable admirably. I think he'll do a good job. And if you can get. Uh, a, a backup left tackle or a swing tackle like Keon Smith on that cheap, cheap contract that he's on. And next year he's, he's your guy that you plug and play if Toronto Armstead goes down, because you know, as expensive as Armstead is, you're not getting out of that contract after this year, he will be on the team next year and he will be your starting left tackle. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing if Keon Smith is the reserve left tackle next season. So maybe we get a little preview of that on Monday night and, and hope everything goes well. Maybe it's one of those situations where, that we've been doing this year where Armstead dresses, but doesn't play, but is, is there just in case Keon Smith doesn't, doesn't light the world on fire, but uh, yeah, it's just been a phenomenal job. Uh, and, and we've, we've seen what has happened to this offense, to this team with above average offensive line play. And if this continues, it's going to, it's going to be a great season, not just a regular season, but a playoff run and hopefully a championship at the end of it. I think it's crazy that's week 14 and we're sitting here talking about how the Dolphins offensive line is, you know, ranked this high, giving up this amount of sacks. And we're sitting here talking about the interchangeable pieces. I mean, you said it, guys, eight different offensive line units started. I mean, that's absolutely absurd, right? So to think, you know, you could probably show the roster to, uh, you know, an average fan and they probably wouldn't even know half these like Keon Smith and Lester Cotton. They wouldn't even know if they were real players. They sound like made up Madden players, but they're going out there and they're playing effectively and you don't know what it is. Jake, you mentioned the ball coming out faster. That obviously helps, but it's in the run game as well. Is it the scheme? that so well and you just need a butch barry in here to coach him up is it um you know frank smith maybe putting his finger on a little bit i don't know what it is but whatever it is they're getting the most out of these guys and to think that liam eikenberg you know a guy we all kind of laughed at make jokes about is out there playing at any position and almost looking pretty damn good doing it i mean it's just absurd i think he's now throughout his career played at what all five positions on the offensive line which he i think he's like the only active player to maybe there's another one but either way man i mean when you can have keon smith i mean merrick sitting here saying i want to see keon smith out there i'm i'm a little queasy i don't know if i'm gonna go that far but the fact that keon smith came into that game last week and you did not miss a beat it's just a testament to um you know the scheme the offense the coaching i, I don't know what it is but again we all have egg on our face and i'm so happy that we're sitting here um week 14 in december talking about how awesome this offensive line is despite teron armstead not out there despite all the injuries they've had and i won't be sitting here being able to talk about devon ha we won't have raheem moster you know what leading the league in rushing touchdowns doing everything that he does without that offensive line Tua won't be an mvp contender without that offensive line. So um, I don't know what it is. I do think we got men in black flash, but, um, you know, hopefully the other next position that we have concerns about heading into next year, maybe they'll do the same thing and surprise us all because it's been an absolute treat to watch this offensive line develop and, you know, work together as a family. Next guy up mentality, they're taking it to a whole new level. Yeah, so the Dolphins are averaging one sack per game over the last four weeks. During that time, Connor Williams is the only player to start and finish all four games at their position. That's a little bit of fun with numbers because Austin Jackson got ejected from a game with like nine snaps left. But uh, And Austin Jackson deserves a bunch of credit because both him and Williams are the only offensive linemen with more than three penalties, but they've played the most snaps of anybody else on this entire team. Austin Jackson leads um, the offense in snaps played this year. So you play more, you're going to get penalized more. Matt's not too hard to figure out this one. Uh Overall, man, I mean, this is a Dolphins rushing attack that's second in the NFL behind the Baltimore Ravens and rushing yards per game. I mean, it's just been an impressive, impressive. And they're not getting those yards from their quarterback either, like the Ravens are. 
That's a great point, too. I mean, you got Raheem Mostert being an absolute stud at 31 years old. I mean, you got Devon Achan coming in to help. And I, I just keep going back to, and this is kind of getting off topic, but just the conversations we had about what are the Dolphins going to do at running back? How are they going to make this work? And all of a sudden, we don't have Jeff Wilson even being part of the picture, which, I mean, it's just so fun to kind of go back and think about how focused we were on specific aspects of this team. Not only in the preseason, like week ones, week two, week three, and all of a sudden we're sitting here week 14 and, and so many things change. So many things happen. And the fact that the dolphins, nobody's falling off the train. Like everybody's been able to keep up, keep that pace. And it does seem like as we listen to like hard knocks and things, there's that fear of the, we were eight and three last year. We blinked and we lost five straight games. There, there is that little bit of doubt, but I mean, to see them keep overcoming it and having guys like Jalen Ramsey, who's going to laugh at you. If you have any type of fear, doubt of losing five straight games. I mean, the, the group's just coming together, the band's all together and they're making some great music. Yeah, so much focus on this team and and uh, Mike McDaniel sitting there in front of that in front of that crew every meeting saying the f word every three words or so. He, he probably holds the record for most f words in a single uh, Hard Knocks episode. <laughs> and, and who knows, you could have picked any of the three, and he he probably broke the record each time. But uh, yeah, he he's given the team the right message, right? Don't focus on uh, the past. Don't focus on the future. Focus on the right now. Focus on your job today. What is your job today? And, you know, as people who cover the team, that can get a little frustrating sometimes because we're like, no, 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 tell us, tell us about that thing that we want to know about that's happening in, in a couple weeks or tell us about that thing that happened a, a little while ago or tell us, is this player playing this weekend? And he just, he won't give you anything except for what's happening right now in this exact moment. Sometimes he won't even tell you what's happening like in an hour when practice starts. He's just, he's so singularly focused on the present, which is a great mindset to have as a coach, as an athlete, as somebody, you know, who makes a living off of playing a professional sport because there's a lot of wins, there's a lot of losses, and you get you can't focus on either of those things. You just have to focus on the task at hand. Uh, and he's he's done a great job getting these guys ready uh, to play and get it, keeping these guys focused. So hopefully they can continue that. Yeah, and I think there were times last year where some of the players didn't even know who their next week opponent was because they literally were not looking past them. So um, I love how that kind of just sat there in the back of their mind. They're kind of remembering eight and three at one point, completely crapped the bed last season. We're not going to do that again. And, um, you know, so far they haven't, right? This is the most critical part of the season. This is when the Dolphins got to go out there and use that one-game mentality. Starts Monday night against the Titans. Merrick, before we take let you take off here, uh, how's Monday night going on? You got to let us know. Wow, I mean, so last week, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. My kid predicted forty-seven to twenty. Oh, you're that's right. Pretty, that's pretty close. Sounds like he's smart. Pretty close. Forty-five fifteen. Yeah, I think I said thirty-one sixteen. So I was close on the commander score, but a couple touchdowns off on the Dolphins. He he pretty much nailed it. He said 47-20, 45-15 was the actual score. These guys are killing it. My kids, they know what's up. So. Um, we're looking at this Monday night game. They're both predicting Dolphins victories again. Uh, my my youngest son is just going absurd with his picks now because I think he's feeling it. So he said it's going to be a 48-12 to 12 victory, um, which that would be phenomenal. And we get to watch it happen on primetime. All of our fantasy teams would be stoked on that. Um, my youngest, or excuse me, my oldest, he's a little more conservative, but still has us crushing this one. He's got a 34-16 to 16 victory for the Miami Dolphins and and I'm I'm kind of somewhere in the middle there so I think I'm going to take a 36 to 15 Miami Dolphins victory Monday night football against the Tennessee Titans 
I'm just sad we won't get to see Ryan Tannehill do anything except hold uh, hold extra point tries, which he's been doing lately for the the Tennessee Titans, which seems very insulting, does it not? Most like I I think he only did it because their punter got injured in mm-hmm. the last game or whatever, but it just seems so insulting to go from team starting quarterback leading the team on the field, taking all the snaps, throwing the touchdown passes to hey, we're going to have you hold the extra point tries and do literally nothing else. Whatever. For $30 million dollars a year. Was it the total <laughs> okay. thumbs? Did it, yes. You, did can disrespect me thumbs? For, you can disrespect me for $30 million a year. You absolutely can. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that point. <laughs> Joshua Houghton, any final thoughts here? No, that sounds wonderful. I was going to joke that maybe, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Ryan Tannehill did play wide receiver. So, you know, maybe they ah, could use him out there. Yeah, it's crazy. Things you learn on this podcast. Joshua Houts, Barrett Brave. You have both said it all. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of another Dolphins podcast. We will talk to you next time, but until then, fins up. Fins up, baby. Fins up.